Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 148. Today we are discussing elementary choir. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the teaching week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a Work Smarter, Not Harder teacher tip, And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in or out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. Well, it's time for our highs and lows from this last teaching week or weeks. And um, we just recently went on spring break, break, Christmas break. (laughs) No, winter break in our district. It's December. It's, it's December, December. And we're on break now. We're on break. We're, we're, we're on a break. Yay. Um, yes. So you can tell how much rest I need based on I can't get my <laughs> season straight. And um, highs and lows that have happened. And, you know, we could omit the last day because the last day was kind of, cr- well, for, in my world, teaching last day. I'm going to minus that out of the equation because because it was just so different and crazy. And, and I mean, like the very last day before break, the very last day, I guess it, I could pick a higher low from that one, but I'm not. But it's not my turn. It's your turn. Oh, I'm going to go first. OK, give us your higher, your low. I mean, I, I guess I, I was looking for a specific story, but I've been sick again. It's very frustrating. I got really sick, had to actually take a whole day off work. It's just a really bad cold. But. The worst part about it was I like lost my voice completely, which does not happen very often for me. I get hoarse now and then, but so if I sound groggily, that's why. Um, but I don't want to talk about being sick because nobody cares about that. So I'll I'll go high just to to, to make it happy. So um, it's kind of keeping in the theme of what we're talking about. Choir. Um, I had a choir concert. I did a concert this last week. So in our district, we had right before winter break, we had Monday school, Tuesday school, and now we're off. So I did a concert Monday night, which I did not love, but by the time I got around to scheduling my concerts, which we'll talk about this when we talk about choir later, um, like we try to balance out in our area when everyone's having our concerts because of siblings and all that stuff. We don't want to conflict with each other. So not much was left. So I took Monday night before break and I was like, eh, this is not going to be great. But you know, it gave me as much rehearsal time as possible, which that part was good. Um, But all that to say, it went really well and I was pleased they had some some troublesome moments where we kind of got off a little bit because their adrenaline kicked in and all that um, and they rushed as kids tend to do but it was overall really good parents were really pleased and then on Tuesday so see Tanya you didn't want to talk about the last day but I'm going to talk about the last day um, I did a sing-along performance in the morning where my choir kids got to sing a couple songs from their concert we didn't do the whole thing and then our local high school um, they bring their auditioned choir you know so the boys were in their tuxedos and the girls were in their dresses and you know or whatever clothing they choose to wear because you know some choose to wear whatever but anyways the point being that um they came and they sang and the kids are always really wowed by that and then we did a little sing-along with winter wonderland and let it snow i tried to kind of keep with more of the winter themed stuff just to be inclusive and uh anyways it was big hit and the, the kids sang better at school than they did for their parents they they did not have the flubs that they had the night before so i was super pleased they were happy i was happy and it was just really nice and then to kick it all off because she is amazing. My principal all day long, instead of having traditional AMP classes, she took all of the classes to the library during AMP time, during specials time, and she read books to them to give me and my colleagues a gift of time day so I did not end up having students the rest of the day. So even though it was a lot of work to put together the sing-along and get the risers out and put them away afterwards and all that, I didn't have classes for the rest of the day. So I left yesterday feeling like good about the fact my room was pretty much cleaned up. I got to put everything away on the stage and I didn't feel completely exhausted. I mean, I'm exhausted as I typically am this time of year, but all that to say it was a successful choir performance week. So that's my high. Yay. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Tanya? Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to finally go high uh, and talk about my second grade. You know how many teachers music teachers say don't pull out anything new in this like 
week or whatever leading up to winter break. Yeah, I say that. (laughs) I understand that. I do. And that makes sense. And normally, yes. However, because of the way my schedule runs, where I see the same groups of classes for a solid week, and then I see, you know, a fresh group of classes the very next week, that would mean that I'm not doing anything new for the three weeks plus two days before break happens. And um, I just decided, uh, no, I'm going to do half note with, I'm presenting half note to second grade because they're ready Mm -hmm. and I want to do it now. And then after the break, we'll see if they're like, well, I've never seen that in my life. Then we'll back up the train and get them on board. But I'm like, no, we're going there. And I was able to do that um, leading up to the winter break. We were practicing half note. And funny, because um, this actually happened yesterday, the very last day with my second grade. And I have to say, probably my most challenging second grade Um, We did a lot of fun things during class, but at one point I did pull out a game where they are listening and they have to identify, you know, which half note pattern it is and go to the board. And I just did a whole group too, where I just had different kids. I gave them like a little Christmas um, elf bonker, you know, the light up dollar store thing to go to the Mimeo board. and, and, And I was like looking around, I almost whipped out my phone to take a video i'm like oh my gosh they're silent they're engaged and they're all like oh i know which one and yeah. it was very exciting because here i was it was not that we i introduced half note yesterday let's be clear i had introduced half note to them like the very end of the previous time that i had seen them but we were practicing half note and they were doing exactly what i hoped that they would do and it was the last day before a break and i felt like wow it's almost like they're anxious to have some time where they are asked to think and focus yeah yeah that's funny you say that because i did the exact same thing that's the one exception to my own rule that i made as well i presented half note to second grade as well between thanksgiving and christmas because they were so ready for it we'd been doing so much with tied corner notes that i knew that they were ready for it the concept you know once they get the idea of it being a longer sound that's two beats then it's just translating it to this new notation symbol right and they all got it so yeah same z's that's really funny and yeah i also had that same sense of like Sometimes they do just need some normalcy and that feels good because everything else feels wacky. So, yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah and I'm super excited because when we come back that first week, I'm going to have a stations day all about half notes. Sorry, I cut you we off. We did not plan. So funny. We, we did not collaborate on that. We did. Yeah. I didn't know you were doing that. But yes, that's my plan. I'm like Wednesday, stations day. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday, some practice. Wednesday, Stations Day. Then we will start prepping for our next melodic thing. We got it. It's good. I'm going to do a Stations Day the first day they come back. Oh. I'm going to try that because when we come back in January, we start, we don't launch into our full rotations. We do one day of each class just to like see everybody at least once in that first week to like reset norms and blah, blah, blah. And then we go into our rotations after that. So I'm like, we have this one off day. So I'm like, that would be great for second grade. I'm just going to do a stations day with half note and just see how they do. Yeah. Cool. See how it goes. So. Well, cool. I'm glad it went well. That's just funny. I'm sorry I kept jumping in, but we shared the same brain this yeah. December, as we often do. Yeah. So now it's time for our main theme, and today we are going to talk all about our experiences with having elementary choirs. And we have to give a shout out to our dear friend, AJ, because this episode is sponsored by him. Basically, (laughs) AJ bribed us. He bought us a lot of coffee on our Buy Me a Coffee link, which you can find in our show notes and on our Facebook page. He bought us a lot of coffee and said, please talk about choir. Um, Here's the thing. Tanya and I are the first to admit we are not experts in this field we are always learning there's definitely things i've done wrong there's 
things I've done right. And so we're going to talk about our experiences as real life elementary music teachers who have had choirs, have choirs now. Sometimes I haven't had a choir. So maybe maybe we should start with that, Tanya. Why have an elementary music choir? Um, you know, and we're talking about choir as in like an extracurricular activity on top of regular music classes. What are the reasons why you might say yes to that? And what are the reasons why you might say no? Because I've done both. So um, maybe start with yes. You have a choir now, yes? I do, yes. And I know that both of us, we are in, we, we are commonly very transparent on this podcast. And yeah. I will tell you that um, I'm well into my music teaching career um, in that I have less years in front of me than I have behind me. So I have a lot of years. Um, and in our district, we are not compensated for choir. Um, and it's not a big secret or anything. So I'm not like blowing anybody's cover or anything. Right. Um, and while I hate to, sometimes I feel petty, like, well, Tanya, the kids need choir. Um, choir is a great opportunity. Choir was my whole world for many years. Once upon a time, like many of you listening, I thought I was going to be the next greatest choir director and had no intention of teaching elementary music because I was going to teach choir because I wanted my life to be all choir. Well, now, um, you know, to, to teach well in my six classes a day, 18 sections, all of that, um, I spend a lot of time on what I do in the music classroom. And then choir is like an add-on extra thing that um, I have to spend my time, money, and energy doing choir. And I, I, I struggle with this all the time about I berate myself for not giving enough attention to choir and enough planning to choir. And, um, you know, I don't like that. And on the flip side, I'm like, well, if I have intention and energy and planning to give, it's going to go first to teaching my daily classes, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm always struggling with this. And I do have a choir right now. Um, my choir only lasts for half a year, though. After the winter break, choir will be on hiatus until we sing for the Rockies baseball game. Oh, and I just got a date, so I'm very excited oh, about that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's our last big hurrah as a choir is just singing the national just. But, I mean, it's a fun, awesome experience. They'll sing the national anthem at a Rockies game in the springtime. And I'm not doing a formal choir concert in the spring. I'm not setting up performances. I am, I have three performances with my grade level classes and that's what I'm going to be focusing on. Right. So anyway, why you might not do choir is because it doesn't make sense. You know, if you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. Right. right. And when, um, when I had a younger family, when my kids were little, that was something that I struggled with also, is that I was not only spending my time and my energy to do choir, but I was literally paying for childcare yeah. while I was doing choir. Right. And, and that, you know, uh, as much as I want um, music for everyone and the kids to have the best musical experiences, there comes a point where I can't, spend more time and money and energy. And so that would be a reason to not do choir. Um, also, when I was split between two schools, I did not do choir because yeah. that does take extra, well, for me, I don't know about other people, but it took extra time and energy and planning in order to go to two different schools to teach. Yeah. Um, and so since I was doing that also, what do you do? Do you have a choir at one school, but not the other school, you know, is it your homeschool that gets the choir? Well, then you're shortchanging the students that you have at your second school. And so I, I do know music teachers who say, well, I do a choir at both places. And, you know, that's their situation and that's what they are willing to do. And that's what works for them. And that's awesome. Um, I have a lot of guilt about it. Honestly, I, I do all the time, but I still have to have a boundary about yeah you know, when my energy and my time needs to be protected for here's what I do every day with all the kids at this school. And that's going to take precedence. So 
Yeah. No, same. When I was traveling, I did not do choir. There were some years, yeah, when my kids were young that I just couldn't give that time after school because I had to get home right away because then my husband's a freelance musician. So he had rehearsals in the evening. So I couldn't stay for choir because I had to get home and relieve him of kid duties so he could go play. So yeah, all that to say, there are seasons in my life where I've had choir and seasons where I don't. Right now I'm a season where I can. My kids are in middle school and high school and their schedules actually go later in the evening than my personal schedule. So me staying an extra hour to do choir is not a big deal. Um, yeah, and you're right. I'm not getting paid for it. And sometimes it irritates me to no end to know that. But, you know, it at this time in my life, I can do it and it feels like it's worth the time and energy. So I'm doing it. That might not always be the case. So, you know, and other reasons why you might have a choir is if you, you know, in our district, we have these area festivals where each high school area, because we're a very big district with multiple high schools, often has some sort of vocal festival. So then if you have a choir, that's like your go-to group that's going to go to that festival. Um, schools that don't have choirs, you know, the teacher will just end up like, well, I'm just going to take all my fifth graders. And now you're using class time to teach all of your fifth graders this music for this vocal festival. Festival, where for me, I don't have to take time out of my class where I'm normally teaching other things. I have this go to group that they're going to learn that music to go sing at the festival. So that's kind of nice. Um, you know, and like you mentioned, national anthems, performances, community performances, like I've taken my kids to go sing at like an outdoor Christmas festival, as you have before, you know, taking them to go sing, a, you know, in a nursing home or assisted living facility. So it's kind of nice to have that go to group that when somebody calls and is like, hey, do you have a group that can sing at this event? You know that you have a group that you can just grab and take them somewhere and you don't have to organize a whole extra thing on top of it. So those yes. are some reasons why choir, I think, is a good thing, because then you're doing those things outside of normal class time. Yes, yes. And I didn't mean to say that it's not worth doing. And there oh, no, no, no. That's, just, yeah. That's why I wanted to talk about it, honestly, because, uh, you right. know, like you said, you feel guilt about it when you don't do it. And then when you do do it, you feel <laughs> irritation, especially if you're in a situation like this. Now, if you're in a situation where you're getting paid, maybe you're not feeling that irritation because you feel like your time is, is worth it because you're getting paid in some way. But unfortunately, yeah, and I hate to say that because, you know, money, uh, you think wow, money's going to make that big of a difference. Yeah, actually it would if I was, and it honestly could be anything. I mean, sometimes I talk to people in other districts and I'm like, Hey, are you paid for choir? They're like, yeah, but it's, it's dismal. I'm like, is it anything? Because that, you know, if it was anything I'd, I'd feel, yeah, that would change things. And I know that's silly, but yeah, that would definitely change some of my time and attention and views towards all of that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. All right, well, now that we've got on that rant, let's talk about if and when you're doing choir, how to organize it and how to set it all up. So starting with which grades. So if, like, I mean, we work at a, what I consider traditional elementary school, kindergarten through fifth grade. So both of us do choir with fourth and fifth graders, correct, Tanya? Yes, yes. And I do know people who do choir down to third grade. Um, I choose not to do that mostly because of the reading skills yeah. and the skills that they have from the music room. Um, right. you know, I want the, I want everybody to be able to read the warm ups and not just read, you know, the, the words in English, but also have some music literacy beyond what happens in third grade in the music room in my world. Yeah. So. Yeah, and for me, it's also a numbers thing. I already have right. a quite large choir with just fourth and fifth grade. If I were to add third, there, there's absolutely no way I could even get them all on the stage at one time. So yeah, um, you know, and I have some parents, third grade parents will ask me, why don't you do choir with third grade? My daughter loves to sing. And I'm like, well, lucky for you, we sing every day in music class. Like I have to often remind some of those parents that we sing every day in music class. We're building and learning all the skills that will get your child ready for choir in fourth and fifth grade. So please don't think that they're not getting, they're getting the same, if not better, musical opportunities every day in music class. Choir is just above and beyond. And it's also a maturity level thing for me. I need yes. kids that I can trust, that I can count on, that can, you know, in general, stand on a stage for 30 minutes and not get tired. You know, like they have to have a certain level of stamina and maturity for me to be exactly. in more intense and, performing. Yeah. Situation. What a great opportunity too, if you have younger 
um, students, families who approach you to say, oh, here's some information about the Colorado Children's Chorale exactly. because they are going to be auditioning in January. Here's some information about Vocal Coalition and they are taking kids in and have rehearsals. And these are people who are super dedicated where choir is their world. And so, you know, it's this wonderful, so many performance opportunities. Um, it's, they get to meet and group with a different community than what they're in in their school day. So there's always that as well in, yeah. in our world. And let, can we just talk briefly about numbers? Cause I know this is a question that we've gotten and I'm dealing with it. And I'm sure you have in the past of how many kids is too many when it's just you all by yourself. Like our, our good friend, Becca, doesn't she have like a hundred kids in her choir and she's managing that on her own. And, you know, so can I just mention what I'm doing? It's it's a little, I know, experimental, but what I'm doing is I decided to have two different rehearsal days. And again, because I'm in a time in my life where that makes sense, after school, I'm just kind of hanging out, waiting for my daughter to finish her school day anyways, that I don't feel like it's like too big of a thing. I mean, it's a lot, I'm not going to lie. But anyways, I have two rehearsal days. I do one group on Tuesday and one group on Thursday. And I let students choose which group they want to be in because it depends on their schedule, their sports schedule, their other clubs, their other activities, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up with a larger group on Tuesdays and a smaller group on Thursdays. And then I, when I chose my repertoire, I pieced out the parts in a way where, you know, my, my larger group, my Tuesday group generally got the melody and a lot of things. And then my Thursday group became like that part two, whether it's the descant or the harmony or whatever um in whatever piece we were doing and actually the balance ended up really well but altogether I have 70 kids in choir so I can't have them all in my room it's not that big and that's a lot of energy for me to manage those kids so for me even though it's two separate days to me that's actually a better use of my energy is having them on two separate days where I can really zone in with one group teach them their part and then I had occasional super rehearsals throughout the the semester where we all rehearsed on the same day and I was very good about communicating that with parents way ahead of time so that they had experiences throughout the semester to sing together to get used to the other parts and then we had like three super rehearsals leading up to our concerts they were really used to that and being all in the risers at the same time so all that to say what to you is like your your max of like how many kids you want to take in choir have you ever had to limit it or figure anything like that I've never limited it, but there were a few years where I had like around 60 to 70, 75. And that felt where all the kids were there at once. And this was yeah. like earlier on in my career when I was at another school. Um, and it was, it was overwhelming. I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. It was very hard to handle. And I really should have done what you're doing with that. And I have thought about that, um, for now because my i do have i i just finished up with choir my choir is not that big you know tops it's like 40 kids um so i've just been running rehearsals on thursday afternoons and that has been fine and been good with those amount of kids not a problem and honestly i don't have another afternoon that i can give because i have family obligations um my kid needs to get to this place or that place or you know, so I haven't been able to do that, but that's a great idea. Um, yeah, especially working on parts and then having those super rehearsals. What I have talked about doing and I've never done, but what I'd like to do is at the very beginning of the school year, I would like to set aside a day um, of planning or an afternoon of planning where I focus on only getting the choir schedule done, choosing the repertoire, deciding, you know, some, some of those big things early on like in August yeah, and having it all laid out. And I have not done that because there's always something else that takes precedence. Oh yeah. What I'd like to do is approach my principal and say, Hey, um, I don't get paid. Could you just give me this day? One day of a sub or whatever. One day of a sub. And I, I, I'll stay in the building even if you want me to, that's not a problem where I could just hash out what's happening in choir because try as I might. And like, I just need to find, I don't know, accountability or something at the beginning of the year. Um, even though I say, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I always am like, oh yeah, but this thing is more important. And I, it's more important for me to schedule my school concerts. It's more important me, for me to figure out how I'm going to 
um, deal with fifth grade who has all these new kids coming in or whatever. Um, so yeah, I know I took us off the rails a little bit, no, uh, no, no, but good. as far as like size of the choir, if I saw that I was going to have like upwards of 50, then definitely I would want to split them and rehearse them at different times and do exactly what you did and have a super rehearsal. Um, and then you could have some really nice part work, but you do right. have to have those super rehearsals yes. where they all sing together. Cause I've also tried having long ago, like I'm rehearsing with these kids, part one, these kids, part two, and we don't really get together until the day of the performance, not the performance itself, but like, oh, here's a rehearsal right before the performance. And that doesn't stick no, well. And they fall apart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they have to hear each other enough times that they can hold. They really part. do. Even if it's like, well, during rehearsals, I've sung part two while you've done your part one and you haven't got, it doesn't matter. They need those other kids in the room. They need that whole thing. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, yeah, so I guess, you know, my advice when people ask me this, if you don't have a second day to give and you can't do two different rehearsals, is just try to get some really awesome parent volunteers or another teacher, or maybe there's a, a local collegiate music ed student who needs hours or something who can come and help you. Just get another body in the room, even if it's just another body to deal with bathroom requests and organizing folders and all those kind of things, because you can't do it all when you've got 70 kids in the room plus you know and then having to deal with the management of the kids so you know even if it's not a musical person if you've got just another like you can do a rotation of parent volunteers who come in and help with rehearsals you know again you kind of have to know your parents and make sure you're getting once and aren't more trouble than they're worth you know <laughs> we've all had those um that are truly going to be helpful in all of those logistical organizational stuff um i've had a few really good parents who have been able to help with those kind of things in the past and it does make a difference so yes yeah, such a good idea to yeah. do that and especially if you are doing outings where you're performing you know for a christmas tree lighting or yeah. for um sporting event um you and i carry just coming off of having kids sing at uh, a Nuggets game here in Denver. And wow, I wish I would have had, well, I had parents who were nearby, but boy, that was so many. The, yeah, task of saying, hey, you are in charge exactly. of shepherding. Yeah, I had my principal and my secretary there to help and they were amazing, especially because I had no voice. So it was like really mm. hard to try to talk to kids and tell them what we're doing. So my principal was like shepherding kids to and from the bathroom and my my secretary was there and she was helping field questions from parents. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. So yeah, ask for help, 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 help. Definitely. Yes. Um, and real quick, I know we didn't necessarily talk about that we're going to talk about this but just the logistical of having kids sign up for choir um i finally got on the the google form train i mean duh i don't know why it took me so long where this year when i sent out the choir information to all my fourth grade fifth graders hey this is the choir this is what's going to be happening here's how you register for choir i had um a tiny url and a qr code on the paper so they can either type it in or scan it and it took them to a google form and that's where the parents entered the kids information the parents information what t-shirt size they needed all of that so then it populates the spreadsheet and then from that spreadsheet i could create attendance lists and email lists and everything else that i could i don't know why it took me so long to figure that out but google forms for registration is definitely the way to go <laughs> yes love my google forms in fact i just i just pull up last year's and i update all the information and then i have my husband check it because i know i know me and not miss you know missing dates, but yeah, I just right. use the same form and it's great to have all that information. Um, here's another thing that I know we didn't write down on our plan to talk about, but um, recruitment. Like next yeah. year, I am going to recruit some students that I actually, I'm going to send them a specific little postcard that says, hey, I know how much you love music or maybe I won't say it like that. Maybe I'll say, hey, I've noticed that you have a strong singing voice and would love to have you inquire. The rehearsal days are going to be such and such and such and such. I would love for you to think about this over the summer and, you know, kind of encouraging those kids. And mostly I want more boys in yeah. my choir. So I have, you know, gosh, I don't even think I have five. I think I have four boys mm -hmm. in the choir and they're wonderful and they are excited to be there. But um, the school that I am at now, they're very uh, gender traditional. So just along with that, I have noticed this whole like 
boys don't do choir, boys don't dance, boys don't do choir, boys don't fill in the blank. And so I really want to work against that whole notion of no, boys can be in choir and look at these opportunities. Having the Rockies game is definitely a boon, right? For kids to get excited about things. Um, So yeah, I'm going to recruit a little, a lot more intentionally. Um, In May, I plan to send out these postcards and especially target some, some boys. Um, does that mean that only the kids who got the postcards can join? Uh, absolutely not. Right. I just am thinking ahead about this is something that I want them to ponder for a while. And then when August comes around, they'll be like, oh yeah, of course, of course I'm going to join choir. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. I, I'm not specifically doing a lot of recruiting. Well, you don't have to do that. You're getting a lot of kids, right? No, but more boys. And that typically for me, that's just more of a private conversation with a kid in the hallway. Like, hey, I noticed you seem to really like to sing in music. Have you thought about choir? You know, and then going with that. Um, But that's a really good idea. The other thing I want to mention is communication with choir families. This is something I am very passionate about and a little bit obsessed about. But I have found that if I, it's one of those things, if you put in the time to communicate really well and clearly, it saves you fielding a million emails and questions in the long run. So I do send, I have two different email distribution lists set up, one for my specific Tuesday kids and one for Thursday kids in case I ever have to email them separately. But I do send them a weekly choir email to all of my choir families every Monday saying, here's what's happening this week. Here's kind of what's coming up in the weeks ahead. I also have a running like Google Doc that's like our whole calendar for the whole semester that I always include the hyperlink to that and I update that as we go. And then in rehearsals, I send occasional home occasional physical pieces of paper so like in the very first rehearsal i'll give them that whole google doc with all the dates as i have it as of now of when the super rehearsals are when the performances are blah 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 and then anytime we have something different like an upcoming super rehearsal or performance i'll send them with like a little half sheet memo i really take a lot of my cues from the colorado children's chorale that my kids sing in and your kids have sing in, sung in where they over communicate and sometimes it drove me nuts as a parent but as a teacher i would rather over communicate and make sure they have all that information about what they have to wear and when they have to be there and I've gotten not to toot my own horn a lot of compliments from families saying they appreciate all the communication because it's always very clear what they have to do do I still get emails from parents did I still get an email from a parent on Monday saying huh we have a concert tonight and I was like are you kidding me I've been sending (laughs) weekly emails since September but okay yes per my last email here's the information and then I just forward the email I just sent like it just saves me all that time so just want to mention that that again it's worth that time up front to set up those distribution lists and kind of get that that pattern going of every Monday after school I just write a five-minute email mostly cutting and pasting from previous emails and it saves me a lot of time and energy later yeah that's a great habit to get into I also have a Google Classroom for my choir kids where I upload practice tracks or sometimes just lyric sheets and then I keep all of that informational stuff in our Google Classroom too. So that's kind of like the kids home base that if they miss a rehearsal they can go there and get some information and practice and that's also been a big lifesaver. Do you do a Google Classroom for your kids? I do not. Um, I did last year and they wouldn't access it. I don't know what's going on with my community at school but like the kids don't access their google classroom outside of school i learned last year um because a lot of times they don't take home their chromebooks oh and then their and then their parents don't know how to get in to their google classroom so it didn't really um yeah i did try that and it did not work and it was really frustrating and I'm still perplexed about it because um, yeah, I don't know. That's a really great on. way to just dump everything in one place for the kids and then have them find it. So it is. And that's exactly why I did it. And I had it all there. And then kids would like parents would say, oh, well, Ashley doesn't really know the words to such and such. And I'm like, well, you should go to the Google Classroom and yeah. here's the link. And, oh, that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But oh. this is, these are all fantastic ideas. All right. um, and yes, you should do them. Now, <laughs> No, let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. I, but, um, logistical I know we wrote down talking about re- repertoire, but can we yeah. first talk about the rehearsal structure? Oh, yeah. yeah let's because, yeah. Yeah. So, K 
kids come in. My choir is time is now after school. Um, it used to be before school and we had a, a later start time because that made more sense. But now it's right after school. Um, and so kids walk in, Carrie. And yes. what's the setup for that you have? Do you have chairs set up? Are they on risers? Are they sitting on the floor? They're on the floor. Are you kidding? I don't have room. My room is so tiny. Um, yeah, no, they're on the floor. So most of our rehearsals are in my room, in the music room, which is just an open room with sit spots on the floor. I do. I don't start off with assigned seats just because I just don't care that much in the beginning. I just want to get them go, go, go. But once we get closer to the concert, I'll start putting them in assigned rows based on height and based. I don't voice them. I don't like place them based on their voices. I keep them away from their friends that they talk to. <laughs> and I put them in rows based on height, and that's about as right. good as we get, right? Um, so that way, then, when we do go into the gym and on the stage for the first time on risers, they kind of already know where they're supposed to go, and then I can just judge from there. Right. Same. I don't put up – you know, I did for a couple of weeks in a row. I brought the flip forms in to try to do that. Yeah. And, no, I didn't love it. Um, I don't love kids rehearsing on the flip forms because I think that it's distracting to be on there. Uh, for a long time when you're trying to focus and concentrate. So yeah. yeah, I have the kids come in and sit on or near a sit spot. And that's how I run it as well. Yeah, I just teach them. And I think I got this from either the Children's Corral or Young Voices of Colorado, either one of those observing their rehearsals. They learn three positions. We call it performance. Yep. And that's when we're standing tall. We have rehearsal where we're sitting crisscross, but we're sitting tall. And then we have relax. You know, I just tell them relax. So, um, you know, we do a lot of drills. So it's like performance rehearsal, but you know, which they get. Yeah. Because they're up and down, you know, it's like Catholic church, up and down, up and down. But anyways, the point being that, you know, I teach them those words explicitly. So anytime I say rehearsal, they notice it's all. And that that does help. Do they do exactly. tend to slouch when they sit on the floor? But you know what? They would slouch in chairs and they would slouch on flip forms either way. So it's like, yeah, I'm not going to drag in flip forms for just for a rehearsal. And they do fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and they then, come yeah, in, typically and then, come in, and then we start right away with warm ups. Do you have any go to warm ups that you like to do? Um, well, I like to start with singing right away, but usually on just one note, like "Know me, know my name." So I'll do like one exercise like that, where it's just one note, and then we'll do some breathing exercise where we are like counting in and breathing down into our diaphragm and then we're hissing out like a leaky tire for twice as long so get them breathing and then yeah i do have like then we'll do probably like some um one two three four five do re mi fa so up and down um and then i really like to incorporate that we do some warm-ups that directly go into the literature. I don't mean flow into the literature. I mean like um, one of the pieces that is on my list of repertoire, tried and true repertoire is uh, The Path to the Moon. And it starts with, I long to sail the path to the moon. So it's got this octave leap. And so if we're rehearsing that, I'll put in, you know, I love to sing, right? And we'll do some, uh, melodic work that might be something that has been tripping us up in one of the pieces i'll yeah. just take that and you know we'll run that in different keys um i think it's really important that the kids understand the relationship between the first five minutes of warming up and also the repertoire yeah. we talk about um how we're getting our breath going and we want to make sure our shoulders are relaxed and we want to make sure that we are focused and that we're warming up just like you would warm up before you play a sport you're you actually have you know your vocal mechanism that needs to physically warm up and get used and you need to stretch it and we go with the olympic principle that we're going to stretch further and we're going to do more than we're actually going to do while we're singing our pieces but we are you know we're stretching we're working it we're getting it all going yeah yeah same i i usually try to do a warm-up that focuses on consonants and getting our 
teeth and yeah. tongue and lips and cheeks and everything moving and then I'll do a couple of warm-ups that just focuses on vowels and beautiful sounds and talk about how consonants help people understand us but vowels make our sound beautiful and open and full so we do talk about that I'll do some warm-ups where we're doing like echoing solfa patterns that are solfa patterns of our songs later on exactly right. like you're talking about do I always want to do better with this yes do I sometimes not plan my warm-ups well um often so yeah there are some times where my warm-ups are perfect and right where they should be and there's other times it's like Meh, let's just do this bubblegum bubblegum warm-up that we've done a million times just because it's fun you know so yeah um, yeah I don't always plan it but that's a good intention for sure that is a good intention see I need that sub day so I can sit down get my newsletters together together get my warm-up you know yeah. plan stuff that we can yeah yeah all that. Yeah. All right. And then we're moving into repertoire. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, want to say more of planning. I was going to mention this later, but um, I want to give a shout out to Kate Klotz, who's a fabulous music educator and choir director here in our area. She's in Boulder. Is that correct? I think she's in Boulder. Yeah. Um, so I saw she did a fabulous session at CMEA one year about choir, elementary choirs and planning. And she has a fabulous resource. It's her choir planner and it's on her TPT store for free. And so we'll link to it in the show notes. And I love her choir planner because it's like, here's your warm ups, here's your sight singing exercise. Now for me, it's not always sight singing. Sometimes it's echo singing. It's just kind of like a, a literature moment, right? For yes. me, it's like, and then here's your repertoire and announcements, reminders, you know, and it's just a great template and I do use it every week for my rehearsals. So we'll link to that in the show notes because it really does help. And she's got quite a few freebies in her um, TPT store and yeah. they're all very worthwhile because she really focuses on that organization yeah. and getting things going in choir and she does wonderful things with her singers. So oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. So you were saying repertoire. No, I was going to say, and now in our rehearsal, we're moving into repertoire. About how many pieces do you rehearse? How, well, do you have an hour? You have an hour, right? I have an hour. Yeah. I mean, really, by the time I get them in the door, it's generally 50 minutes because I have them go line out outside of the front of the school and I go pick them up and bring them in because we don't want kids just running down the hallways. Anyways, all that to say, by the time I get them in the door, it's generally about 50 minutes. So I would say um, after I do about um 10 minutes maybe or so on warm-ups sometimes longer depending on you know how they're feeling but usually 10 minutes is enough especially after school they've been using their voices all day i would spend longer in the mornings but after school they're fine and then yeah i i say i probably get try to get to you know four pieces of repertoire in a rehearsal but not the whole thing you know other than right before a concert when we're running things obviously but i try to be really intentional and this is where that choir planner comes in about i'm going to be rehearsing just this section of this piece and just this section of this piece and you know just like regular music class i never want to spend longer than eight minutes or so on one piece of music because they're going to start to get bored with it, right? So it's exactly, that finding yeah. that balance between kids do just love to sing and they love to sing through things and sometimes they get frustrated when we stop too much. But I also want to make sure my rehearsal time is really intentional and if I'm just running through things start to finish every day, that's that's not intentional. So yes, I'll try to focus on specific parts. sections of pieces. Exactly. Yeah, my required rehearsals this past year um, since I've moved it to after school, it's been a little challenging. Um, I had 45 minute rehearsals and the bell would ring and then they would come to me. And by the time that we we're all settled, it's not 45 minutes, it's 40 minute rehearsals. Right. And so I was working on like three pieces is what I could get in. And, you know, that was frustrating overall that it just was not enough time to get it all, all in. So yeah, yeah I, I know I need to move to an hour. For next year yeah i mean it, it sounds long and it can feel long but especially when i have those super rehearsal days and we're all together i truly need that full hour and i really do like to finish with you know five minutes of announcements and reminders passing out whatever notes need to be passed out and then get them out the door on time i really try to be good about getting my kids out on time sometimes we get out a few minutes early and that's okay too because parents yeah. are there ready to go so um yeah and then I will incorporate occasionally some fun things. So my very first choir rehearsal, I usually do some sort of name game or something fun or like a singing game they're familiar with. Um, 
just because I do want them to also just enjoy choir like the same way they enjoy music class and also they need to learn each other's names and get to know each other as a new community don't do that every rehearsal but I definitely do that in the first rehearsal and maybe sprinkled in here and there throughout rehearsals if I ever feel like we have five minutes to spare we might just play a fun singing game or a poison pattern game or something like that just that's different than the typical choir rehearsal Exactly. Yeah, I um, do the same. I think it's really important to build the community of the choir and the fourth graders and the fifth graders don't necessarily know each other. So we spend a little time um, very beginning of the school year when we're starting up choir where I do do a name game. Um, and then at the end of class, we might play a little like tell me something good game. Yeah, um, where you're tossing a ball around and we all sing tell me something good which is a Chaka Khan song, in case you didn't know, um, which I've heard a couple of people mention before um, other teachers. But And then they get to just talk about, like, I just got a puppy or whatever, some community building things, yeah. Yeah. which is wonderful because they get excited about sharing with the choir. And if they don't want to share, they don't have to share. It's not an everybody does this thing. Um, and then this past year, I've been ending with a choir cheer because, because I thought, let's see how this goes. Um, in Ted Lasso style, I've been having them group up and put their hands in. And on the count of three, we say, what are we going to say, Caitlin? Oh, we're going to say choir rocks. All right. One, two, three, choir rocks. And, then um, and that's just been kind of a fun extra thing that I thought, let's see how this goes. Oh, and that. um, that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, I love that idea of building that community. We do a lot of like stand in a circle and sing in a circle kind of a thing, you know, just so they can see each other's faces and yeah, it's just warm, fuzzy feelings. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into repertoire. And I know you and I talk off mic that we kind of have our go to's of things we love. You know, I try to go to choral reading sessions or elementary concerts and, and get fresh ideas, but there's just those tried and true things that I know that are going to work for certain times of year and um, are really nice. So first, I want to give a shout out to The Pink Book. I don't have it in front oh, of yeah. the 150 Pink Rounds and Cannons by like Bull book of back I can't remember the name it's pink it's a pink book we'll link to it yeah it's a dark pink book you should have it if you don't have it oh I'm yeah sorry, I mean it's around. a commonly used book in elementary music classrooms Kona inspired classrooms but I love this book for choir repertoire I generally have a round or canon from that book in every one of my choir concerts so just this last week for our winter holiday concert we did the Dona Nobis Pachim round in three parts which is really lovely I've done the music alone shall live round or viva la musica so there's just some really beautiful simple rounds that lend themselves well to choir performances um so that's a go-to for me it's getting yes. around and we have a we'll have a list of all of these in the show oh, notes yeah. right yeah yeah so yeah. that's, that's a, also a, a cheap thing because you don't have to buy octavos because you just got it and you just teach it to them by rote or yes. just you know, screenshot just, it and put it on the screen and yeah yeah i'm a big fan of putting um short rounds like just on the screen yeah. and uh something that i would like to mention is I try to rehearse away from the piano as much as possible. Yes. Me I try too. to pull it back to, to solfege. Uh -huh. um, I was very inspired by um, Kira who was at the Colorado uh, Kodai Institute uh, doing choir and I, she never used the piano. She was just always, everything is off the tuning fork yeah. and away we went or away they went. Um, I got to sit in a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm a big Magical. believer of not pounding notes out, right? We really yeah. want them to be secure singers, just like in the classroom. Why would I just all of a sudden switch it around and just, you know, pound notes into their heads? No, I want them to read as much as possible. Um, all that to say. Uh, so other repertoire things. Our friend Ginger Littleton has a couple of wonderful octavos. How Can I Keep From Singing is something that requires should know uh also build me a world um so ginger love ginger's things yeah uh, 
she was a real life music teacher for many years as well mm -hmm. so she just knows children's voices really well really yes. beautiful balance of unison singing with simple two-part and simple descants nothing too you know like in thirds challenging you know that's what i look for in my choir pieces i look for beautiful unison pieces or yes. when there's harm harmonic moments it's not singing in thirds or chords because my kids are often not ready for that it's like a descant or a partner mm -hmm. song melody something like that and ginger writes those really really well exactly um i'm a fan of cynthia gray's octavos um something told the wild geese is one that i love to do around fall and the clouds is a lovely piece susan brumfield has wonderful octavos uh there are some that are a little too hard for my choir but seagull seagull is it called seagull seagull you know i didn't even look that up i think oh, it is i don't even think i know that one oh and it's a partner song with london bridge oh nice um oh man i should have we'll look it, it up and we'll make, sure we'll, we'll make sure sorry susan that i'm not on it um <laughs> if, if you're listening uh yeah so yeah susan brumfield's repertoire is wonderful yeah um what else uh, uh and, and andrea ramsey is another person i don't have specific titles but just this is these are like go-to people that if i see that they're the composer or the arranger i know it's going to be quality stuff so anything by andrea ramsey again just look at it and make sure it's of the level that's you know good for your kiddos um one that my kids did just this last week so if you're already thinking ahead to next winter um they did a piece uh by jill galena it's happy winter and it's a partner song with um frosty the snowman and then a secondary melody that she composed so you know oh. everyone sings the one melody everyone sings the other melody put them together and you have beautiful harmony right so that nice. was our, our closer piece and i added some cheesy little you know choir choreography riser choreography to go with it so that was a big hit right. um, i love the birch tree by mary getsy that is completely in unison but that is a go-to for me just because it really builds that beautiful unison sound and there's lots of those luli loos so you get that beautiful ooh vowel while they're singing so you know i i think with my choir music too pedagogically about you know what am i teaching through this piece it does sometimes you got stuff that's just fun and for fluff but i do try to find like a teachable moment in each one of those pieces whether it's beautiful vowel sounds or you know harmonic moments singing together or a rhythmic thing and ostinati you know something that you can pull out so you also have those beautiful pedagogical things going on yes um can i is this a time that i can kind of ask um if you, listener, have wonderful choir pieces, I would love to hear about them. I feel like a lot of the pieces that I have been doing and relying on uh, are tried and true, yeah. but kind of old. And I would love some new pieces. And one of the um, one of the, the issues that I have every year while going through, because I go through J.W. Pepper and I kind of try to listen to some of the things, is that the things that are the most popular, biggest hits, biggest sellers are things that I consider things I don't, don't want to hear and I don't want to do. Yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very uh -huh. much like anti um, cutesy, schmaltzy, like, but isn't it so cute? Um, like, you know, jingle bells with dogs barking the melody, not something I'm ever going to do. No. Um, so yeah, so I, I kind of have struggled in finding also diverse pieces. Cause I yeah. think that that I am lacking in bringing into my choir. Um, I would love to find some diverse pieces that are by people who are from the culture and not people who are like, well, I took this Japanese melody and, and worked it up to be very, I don't know, cutesy. I don't know. I don't want to. No, that's so true. Criticize too much, but I'm just, yeah, this yeah. Is I, I want to use some real pieces. Too, is looking mm -hmm. carefully at the arrangers. If it's like a folk melody arranged by, I look very carefully at who that person is. I look them up. I want to know who they are and what their background is yeah. and what their knowledge is in arranging that particular melody. Not yes. to say that someone of a different culture can't. I know there's people who do, but they do it carefully and with integrity and with a lot of research behind it. So that's what I want to know. So yes, it takes extra time to do that. But that's that's my no better, do better choir is I'm much more careful about my repertoire selections for that very reason that you mentioned. Yeah. 
And I struggle finding something that's good for children's voices and that's accessible, um, that we can really do well within the amount of time that I see kids. It seems like there's a lot for high school, right? There's, or there's more for high school, but for elementary. And the other thing is that what I really should be doing is taking some of these melodies from other sources, from good sources, um, from culture bearers and like arranging them myself. There's okay. gotta be though. There's, there's gotta be some good stuff. I, yeah. I would I rather don't have time for that, but yes, exactly. I agree. Um, so maybe this kind of moves us into resources. What are some good resources that are going to help you out with this stuff? So, you know, going to reading sessions and reading sessions intentionally so that what I mean by this is I'm much more likely to go to a reading session at the Oak Conference, the Organizational of American Code Educators Conference and find pieces there rather than my local CMEA state conference, because um, I'll just be frank, a lot of times those are um, arrangers and people who are there to make a buck and they're kind of the 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 more commercialized pieces. And like you said, Jingle and they're Bob's sponsored stuff. by the publishers. So they're, they're going to bring the in. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I don't need to walk out with a packet of music all by the same composer and arranger and all from fill in the blank publisher i'd rather go to an oak reading session where i'm going to get a variety of music and it's been cultivated by somebody who i know and i trust um you know same with like our local rocky our local code i worked uh chapter will once in a while do reading sessions or a choral specific session so those are the places i'm going to go specifically to look and keep my ear open for new pieces Um, Also, you mentioned Colorado Children's Corral. I mentioned Young Voices of Colorado Vocal Coalition. So we here in Colorado are very lucky because we have a wide variety of quality children's choirs who provide excellent resources for us. So the Colorado Children's Corral, for example, they have a lending library and they allow public school teachers, any teachers to loan music from their lending library because purchasing music is expensive, but we also don't want to do the wrong thing, which is make copies from a freebie that you got at a reading Mm -hmm. session. So the right thing is to have the right number of octavos for your kiddos. And one way to do that is to reach out to your local choirs if you are blessed like we are to have them in town and see if they offer a lending library um, or PD opportunities or can I go observe a rehearsal or attend a concert. Obviously, I get a lot of my repertoire ideas from our local concerts and local organizations. Exactly. Yeah. Great idea. Oh, can I also just mention if you happen to be going to the um, Oak Conference in Chicago, which is the 50-year celebration anniversary of OAKE, um, and that takes place in March, March uh, 15th, 16th, 17th. I'm given too many days, but over. Th- and Carrie is wearing her short wearing shirt. If you're wearing, I was going to talk about it later, but yes, yes. So it is really a worthwhile thing to hang out and observe the choir rehearsals for all of the choirs that perform during the conference. They, the rehearsals, just watching that process, all these kids coming together from all over the country who don't know each other. And just to watch rehearsals in action is so beneficial. Um, When my son sang in the Oak Choir years ago, I spent a lot of time just watching and um, got so much out of that much more than just going to the concert. The concert, of course, was fantastic, but it's nice to see how they get there, right? Yeah. Um, so you can pick up a lot just by watching some excellent choir directors run a rehearsal. Absolutely. A couple other books I'll just mention that are good go-to. Um, so Rollo Dilworth, I'm sure most of us have heard that name, has a book called Choir Builders with warm-ups and, and techniques and different ideas that's really excellent and i know a lot of people have pulled ideas from that and then georgia newland who is an amazing kodai inspired music educator former president of oak has a book called one accord you know again lots of warm-ups repertoire ideas um lots of things about how to build part work and things like that so we'll link to both of those books in the show notes those are both yes. really great resources for planning rehearsals and repertoire and everything so Wow. Okay. Well, again, we're not perfect, but I think we covered a lot of what we know um, and what has worked and things like that. Any other final thoughts, Tanya, about choir? Um, 
I'm just, I need to learn. I need to grow, learn and do better with choir. And um, yeah, but I, there's so many things that I, I know, I know what to do. I just haven't done it. And uh, yeah, there are resources. That's a wonderful thing is there are resources. We just have to take the time to get in there and yeah. dive in and, and use them. I think it's just important for us all to know our boundaries and our limits when it comes to taking on extra things. Choir is an extra thing. So, um, you know, like you said, to me, having quality day-to-day -day music education instruction in my classroom always takes precedence over choir. Um, and But if I have the time and the space and the energy to have a choir experience for my kids, it's a lovely thing. They love it. I really tru truly do enjoy it as well. Um, so, you know, but just know yourself and know what your boundaries are. That's all. Exactly. So thanks, AJ, for the coffee. We hope this episode has helped you and maybe somebody else. And it's time for our No Better, Do Better segment. Carrie, what, what you got? All right, so I'm wearing my Oak shirt. I'll back up so you can see it a little bit if you're watching this on the YouTube. So OAKE in Chicago in March, 50th anniversary. Super excited about that. So I wanted to put a shout out to, we have a really excellent um, equity and diversity committee at Oak that's doing fantastic work. And one of their big pushes is to plan what they're calling dive in. So dive standing for diversity, inclusion, voice and equity, um, affinity gatherings. And actually there have been, um, at least one affinity gathering, um, previous to the conference, it's already passed though, um, but they do have occasional online affinity gatherings like a Zoom meeting or whatnot. So um, definitely if you're not already following the OAKE Organization of American Kodai Educators Facebook page, definitely follow that because they do have occasional online um, gatherings for folks. Um, but specifically at the conference, there are two affinity events that are being planned, a BBIA affinity gathering, um, so that's Black, Brown, Indigenous, Asian, or multiracial, and then we also have LGBTQIA plus affinity event. So these are opportunities for folks who identify within that group to come together and have a community and have a place to speak about experiences that are unique to them and and really connect and build those build those communities. So we're just happy that Oak is providing those opportunities and those things are happening at the conference this year. So um, just be on the lookout for that. If that's something that interests you, share with your music educator friends. And uh, we just wanna build that empowerment and those voice for any folks who feel like they haven't had that in the past. So now it is time to work smarter, not harder. So Tanya, what's something that's going to help us be better? Okay. Well, this is, this is not a tech tip. This is very Luddite. Um, and it's just a, a habit I have that I don't know if it's worthwhile mentioning. Maybe everyone does this. I don't know. Um, you know, it's cold and flu season and people are getting sick all the time, right? <laughs> As I suck on my cough drop right now. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think everybody's body is just different. I don't get sick a lot. And I'm not saying that this is why. I'm just saying here's an extra thing I do. Uh, when I have I have tissues out for, for kids, right? And now what I really could do is go that extra step and have a box of tissues that's just for me because that's very smart to do, right? So that could be a tip if you're me i can't get it together to like where am i going to put the extra box because i'm not going to leave it out because the kids will take from that so i never use the first tissue ever so like if i am you going to use a tissue i pull out one throw it away and i use the next one. Oh, because the kid who just pulled a tissue last got their germs on the tissue that's out there you know what i've convinced myself that this is the case <laughs> Or I'm it's not just sure. A luck thing. It's like it's like no, it's not for luck. It's just <laughs> like, well, have you watched the kid? I mean, oh my goodness, so many fingers up, so many noses. It's, I, I had a moment this on Monday where I was looking, and these are third graders who, you know, by now, by third grade, maybe you have a little more social awareness that hey, I shouldn't be sticking my fingers up my nose in front of everybody. But like 
they don't, I guess they don't care because everybody's doing it. I, I was actually counting. I would think I had like four or five kids who were actively picking their noses. Oh, oh. I know, I know. And so oftentimes I'll discreetly say, hey, can you go wash your hands or, yeah. hey, you know. Um, but I, I don't know. I just got into the habit of I never use the top tissue. If I'm going to pull a tissue out for me, I throw that one, I throw one away and I use the next one. That's funny because we just had a major tissue shortage in my school. We okay, well. We throw extra boxes of tissues anywhere in the school until like one family brought in a bunch and then we were saved and then we put out a plea for more tissues after break. So um, I don't know that I could have afforded to do that, but maybe that's why I'm sick. So maybe I need okay, to. Okay, but can you afford to get sick, Carrie? Come on. No, I can't. That was awful. I hate being sick. So. I'm not saying that this has kept me from getting sick, but hey, every little bit, right? Okay, I'll try it. It's time for our CODA section, something we've been enjoying in or out of the classroom, um, probably out of the classroom because we have some time to be out. So let's get our head out of the classroom and oh, yeah. into, into what, Carrie? Into... Uh, I watched a movie recently. Um a whole one and I didn't fall asleep. So that's good. Um, we watched, <laughs> my husband and I watched Leave the World Behind on Netflix. Oh, I'm scared of that. I was scared too. And so we, it was so funny because we were like looking for something to watch and we looked at like the little, you know, preview moment. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for this. And we went away and we're looking at things and he's like, let's just do it. Let's just watch it. So we did. Um, yeah, it was real intense. You know, happy I, holidays. Right. I read, um, you know, lots of reviews after I watched it because I was just curious what everyone else thought. And obviously I will not give any spoilers other than, you know, there's mixed reviews. I'm just going to say um, some people really liked it. Some people not so much. I actually really liked it. Um, there are some really intense moments. I wouldn't say scary. I would just say intense. There's some intense moments, um, you know, kind of similar to Get Out kind of a vibe as far as like creepy but not, i don't know i didn't find get out to be like super scary it okay you're not selling it for me because i'm okay, not allowed I'm to watch sorry. get out maybe that's a bad comparison i don't know i i didn't find it scary i just found it to be intense let me just put it that way and i stayed awake and um i'm actually now interested maybe i'm gonna listen per, per your recommendation to the audiobook of this because now i'm really curious to compare it to the book i really want to know like what's different about it i know some mm. things that are different about it but i want to know more um and the audiobook is on Spotify. So I, I added it to my list. So that might yeah. be my over Christmas break, you know, cleaning and cooking and listening to the world ending. Um, yeah, not not a cheerful movie. I'm not going to lie, but there was some humor in it and some humanity in it. And uh, it was good. I liked it. I liked it. So just okay. putting it out there. Cool. <laughs> okay. So that's Leave the World Behind on Netflix kind of a doomsday-ish kind of movie. Happy holidays. How about you, Tanya? What are you enjoying? Um, I'm reading a lot. I, I'm not going to make my Goodreads goal this year because it's just not going to happen, but I'm still frantically reading anyway. Um, and I've been reading and listening to the book Yellow Face by R.F. Quang. And it is, um, it's, it's a little dark, but I enjoy it. And the premise is um, it's told from the perspective of a young writer living in New York. And she happens upon that. I'm not going to spoil it, but she happens upon a manuscript that is not hers, but she kind of makes it hers. And um, I'm, I'm early on to the book, into the book, but uh, it's a very much a unreliable narrator setup where the narrator justifies a lot and about uh, basically stealing someone's work and uh, oh. Um, it's fun. There okay. you go. So far, I'm not all the way, even halfway through, but good times. I like dark and I like unreliable narrators. So there you I go. know you do. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's as dark as uh, you tend to go, but um, it's a little dark. <laughs> all right. Maybe it'll be a light read for me, but no, that sounds good. Thanks. Yeah. We've reached the double bar line. 
Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. We will be taking a little break in podcasting over the holidays, but we will be back in January. So until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking. Music.